Earth to Cybertribe. Are you responding? Receiving. This is Cybertribe. We've been fighting the cybersecurity battle for decades now. You know, we're always going to be at a disadvantage to the attacker. It's always the basics that kill you. Oh, I need to update my web browser too? It is getting better, but we still run up against the same issues day in, day out. Hey, I'm Charles, and this is Cybertribe. Each episode, I'm joined by Richard Zalewski of the Centre for Strategic Cyberspace and International Studies. You can join the tribe now at thecybertribe.com. This is Cyber Tribe. Hello, I'm Charles Commons, and welcome to Cyber Tribe, the podcast for cyber professionals. On today's episode, we're discussing why it sucks to be a CISO. So let's meet the panel. Hi, my name is Richard Zalewski. I'm the President and CEO of the Center for Strategic Cyberspace and International Studies, and also the, one of the hosts for Cyber Tribe. Hi, I'm Damon. I am founder of Wolfberry. We are a, a team of... Um, greatly talented people who are um, virtual CISOs for businesses all over the United Kingdom. Obviously, a lot has changed in the past, what, 18, 18 months, 24 months. Um, and, and things always change in cybersecurity really quickly anyway. But I want to know what, what you guys, and we'll start with you, Damon, what you would say that are the major challenges in cybersecurity that companies face these days? Well, it's as simple. It's um, since the pandemic. It's uh, the change in the, um, the the structure of the organization. Gone are the days where, as I as I mentioned earlier, gone are the days where we have the castle and the wall. You know, the, all the users are inside that castle. All the data is kept in the keep. All right, the keep sort of scenario went a long time ago when people started using cloud services and so on. But all those users were easily managed. They were kept together for the majority of organizations. Um, but now they're all outside and, you know, users panic when they're outside. It's, they're, 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 they're free to roam, free to make choices, free to, to, to make really bad choices. And, <laughs> and this is what we're seeing happening all the time. So it, the, the biggest challenge for organizations now is to turn that focus of, of all their, their defenses and their protection away from the castle walls and to help protect the users. We're seeing so many people doing zero trust models really, really badly and not really understanding what that is, you know, um, and just installing Office 365 on a home user's laptop is not zero. Well, I suppose it is zero trust, but it's... Um, Re- zero trust with negligence added right it's an absolute nightmare um and no real understanding of protecting the system so for me that is the key problem um that we're all facing at the moment because let's face it i mean with the best will in the world i mean so many organizations have already said yeah we're not going to revert back to this it's great to give our staff that freedom that the, the shackles have been removed from it because there was always that concern. If if you didn't have everybody in the office, would they work? But now all of a sudden, people are working from home. Mm-hmm. It makes so many other things easier. 
you know, it gives people a better quality of life and everybody benefits from it, which is fantastic, but has introduced that level of danger now from a security point of view, because as I said, the systems are not focused or designed to protect that way. Mm-hmm. So what what are the kind of balances that we have to, to meet then? And how do we get that? balance because i remember when i worked for a, a company where we had a laptop as well as a um you know a desktop pc that was connected um by wires to the internet but the laptop wasn't and we had in order to log in and to be able to use the same systems on the shop floor as we could do in the office on the laptop we had this little encryption key that was like a key ring and it would give you a different number every time and you would log in. First of all, you had to log in your normal Windows-based login style um, at the start. Then you'd have to go on to the intranet, which would then ask you for another username and password. And then plus you would then have to put in this keychain number that was generated on the key ring. And in the end, because it took so long for us as users to actually even get started on the laptop, nobody bothered using it. Yeah. So there has to be a balance, obviously, and to get that right. And now that obviously people aren't in the office and they are potentially using their own laptops to access, you know, their work internets through a VPN or however they're doing it. What's the how how do we do that that doesn't mean that it stops people from doing their jobs? That that has got yeah. to be a challenge as well, hasn't it? Yeah, well, you know, there's if you draw a line and from on one end of that line is secure and the other end is usable. The further you go from usable to secure, you know, the less usable the system becomes. So you're dead right. And we we see that all the time. And and even when people do use it. So one of the things I, I, I'm obsessed with, and um, I haven't been able to do in the last 12 months really, is uh, I, I take photographs of laptops. People leave laptops in a really strange places, right? You, if you ever follow Wolfbury's Twitter handle, you, you, you'll see those pictures. They leave them in strange places. But one of the best ones I think I ever saw was someone left a laptop in a hotel reception for about 40 minutes with the key fob in it, with everything, just left it completely mm-hmm. There. I mean, so, you know, there's no accounting for stupidity when it comes to computing uh, and, and users. But, you know, it, it's it's just so difficult. Um, it's going to be difficult for companies because especially with that move away, because we're seeing it's it, and, and a huge problem is the, the small the small business between 50 to 100, 200 employees. Right. That, that they're the ones we're seeing that are becoming more of an issue because they affect the big corporates as well, right? Because they really are the supply chain for those guys. So if they get in any way affected, then they're going to affect the big guys. So we have to look after the the smaller guys as well. And um, what they've done is they, they think, well, we don't need these servers. We don't need these offices. Let's stick everything in Office 365. And then let's just, you know, we're we're done. Everybody can use your you can use whatever device you want you know, as long as you're connected to Office three six five. They have no visibility, no protection. Never for for the life of me, don't understand why. But they never enable two FA on our Office three six five. Right, and and they don't do the basics. And I think that's a, a such a problem for us because I think as one of the things, rightly or wrongly, we've seen as well is organizing uh, organizations 
a large number of organizations, especially in the United Kingdom, I'm sure it's the same everywhere, thinking, well, actually, we don't need those offices, those expensive offices anymore, or those, that expensive, expensive server and all the support that goes with it. And in fact, you know, Chris is happy to use his, um, his own laptop to do his work, which is brilliant. And he's got Office 365, so that's great. So they've seen it as a, it's such a short-sighted thing to do, but it's seen as a cost-saving exercise. We see it all the time with organizations. So um, there are a lot of basic things that businesses need to do right, and they're just not doing it at the moment. Yeah. I absolutely love, and, and I'm going to go and, and, and start following Wolfery's Twitter feed just for this okay. series of pictures. I was actually hoping, Dave, and I'll be honest, that you were going to tell me about a laptop that had just been discarded in a bush at a bus stop or something really strange while yeah. somebody just went and got their pint of milk before the bus arrived. <laughs> I have seen some strange things. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> I, I, I find that absolutely astonishing, Rich, to be honest. I mean, look, I'm I'm here. I've got my MacBook Pro, which is lovely and shiny. I'm sometimes simply scared to leave the house with it because I'm I'm thinking, is my house secure enough for this? You know, thing that cost me so much money. Yeah. I I suppose in a way, if it's not your own, then that's part of the problem. It's not your responsibility because you don't own it. You didn't have to pay your own money to buy it. Yeah, and I think people just get forgetful. Like they they get in. Like I said. there's a there's a comfort zone there, and if it's if it's yours, yeah, it's a whole different story. But I think overall, it, people just get forgetful. They get too comfortable, and they just forget, you know. And or they just become bad. Nothing's going to happen. There, there was a, there was a case a, a little. Uh, it's a long while ago now, but um, the a member of I think the Canadian uh, Secret Service actually went to a sports event. In, in Canada here in Toronto and left the laptop in the um, in the car. Well, at least that was left in the car. We've had people do that on the tube. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was in the back seat. And, but he they, they sh- he should have known better. Like like, what are you taking? You're going to like you're going to be you know away from your computer for for such a long time. You're going to be like two three hours in, into a hockey game or whatever, and you're leaving that in the background. I know what, I was in China in um, doing a, a keynote for for one of the IoT conferences there, and um, we within our organization we had a briefing on this is what you do and you don't do and some of the cultural things, but mostly this is what you don't do, and uh, I. I brought my laptop with me. I knew the risks, but um, I didn't get onto the internet with it. And I carried it around with me everywhere I went. It was like my wife was joking. I go, yeah, it's like the nuclear launch codes. It's, it's in my backpack. You, you don't leave it, right? So, but I'm, I'm very aware of, 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 of stuff like that. So I, I, I have my phone now. And the other thing is like leaving your phone there because lots of times people use uh, phones for BYOD and things like that and corporate emails there. And then, um, you know, leaving your phone is an extension of what uh, Damon was saying about the, the whole ca- the castle mentality. That the, there is no castle walls anymore. It, everything's on the inside. It's all, uh, you know, like I, I like saying it's like a like a like an M M&M. and M. It's all crunchy and hard on the inside, but it's all chocolatey and nice and on, the, on. Sorry, it's all cr- crunchy and, and hard on the outside, but it's all chocolatey and rich on the inside. And that's that's <laughs> where the uh, that's where the threats are now. And so people leave their phones around or lose their phones, and if they don't have a password, well then, you know. It's like having a tap on your on your card, and then uh, losing your wallet. 
do you, do you think maybe that all of these improvements to security on say our mobile phones so the fact that apple have got the face recognition on the latest iphone uh you've got obviously before that there was the thumbprint or the fingerprint mm-hmm. uh, do you think that's maybe made us complacent as a as a as a race almost because of the fact that you think to yourself well this is the latest technology and for our benefit for security mm-hmm. you take it for granted that it's there now so you kind of forget that you know the basics so to speak i i, I think so i think it's also um they think oh, it's taken care of well, what's going to happen? So I lose my lose my phone. Well, we have the security stuff installed on our phones and, and things like that. Well, yeah, but it only goes so far. You still have to have like the basics on your phone, like a password. You know, I, I, it, it, it's funny because uh, uh, my wife watches uh, Coronation Street. And um, uh, every time somebody loses their phone, they get into it. It's like nobody has a password on these shows. On their phone. It's like it's so true. It's so right. It is exactly like that. You know, and, only in soap band. <laughs> but like, I have a password, and all my friends that I know have a password. But some, I I know actually know some people who do not have a password. They just like, ah, oh, who's gonna who's gonna get into my phone? Well, you know, there, there's lots of stuff that people could do on their phone, especially if it's a corporate phone and and things like that. Uh, there, there's lots of issues. I was in Australia working with. Um, uh, fu- uh, sorry, FutureGov, at, one, at some of the conferences, I ran some of the roundtables for them. And uh, one of them was BYOD. I ran the BYO, like bring your own device uh, uh, stuff. And uh, somebody from the intelligence services was coming through and they're like, oh, that's not the big of a deal. We just use our own phones. I'm like, and, and you're not that, that concerned. Oh, no, it's okay. Like, okay. Okay. That's good for you. But she, but she did not get it. But I don't think she had really that much of a background. But she was under the impression that, well, you know, they, I gave them my phone. They did what they had to do. And they gave it back to me. I'm good. Mm. You know, it really, it really comes down to them explaining, like, this is these are the limitations and, and things like that. I think you have to have, um, these days especially, you have to have a good cybersecurity awareness program for, for your for your employees and things like that. And uh, even something simple as Zoom, uh, when Zoom took off, uh, they didn't have passwords on their um, on their uh, conference calls, mm. and now they do. You know, so it's it's that one layer that was it. So people were hopping on calls just by going into the wrong one. You know. Yeah, you you mentioned there, Rich, about the um, the, the, the the having the the passwords on there and and, and user. You know the actual employees, if you like, the the users of the software and their complacency. Mm-hmm. Um, Damon, obviously, you go into businesses and and become their virtual CISO. Mm-hmm. You're obviously then talking to uh, other members of that business's C-suite, and you're trying to get them to understand the risks and the needs of cybersecurity. Yeah, I mean, that is that your job done? Is it then down to the the company's board to then filter it down to the actual users. I mean, obviously, they will be users themselves, but but they're at the top end. Whereas, I suppose the low hanging fruit is is maybe where the cyber criminals are, are most likely to see their success. Yeah. So the, the, you are right. So the, the C suite they, now they, they're easy. They they're normally. Uh, in our experience, in my personal experience, they're normally the ones who think it doesn't apply to them, <laughs> right? But we sort that out fairly quickly, 
Um, I mean, we we did one for a, a rather large charity. Um, they won't mind me saying, and we had a discussion with those guys, and I was prepared to have some, you know, bite back and at our initial board meeting and discussion about it. So I'd done some work, did a bit of um, research on the dark web, um, did a couple of dark web scans, and found two of the guys found a lot of credentials on there were as was it were able to get into their gmail accounts so that was a nice surprise and sorted them out quite quickly but quite often a little fishing fishing exercise um um for the c-suite is quite nice offer them a free weekend of golf in malaga they tend to like that as well and click on it so they 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 can be resistant at the beginning but quite nice and easy to get sorted um and, and, and on the right path, should we say, those mm. guys. And what we try to do, and what I personally think, and it goes back to what we've spoken about already, really, is with users, and especially with BYOD and using your own devices, and just in general, really, what we find users lack is personal responsibility. And what I mean by that is an understanding of, you know, that their responsibility they're just a cog we're all cogs in a big wheel at the end of the day and they play an important role and and you only have to look at it, it has got a little bit better these days but some of the things people post online aren't you know um and the great examples of you know p- p- um tweeting photographs while you're on holiday and then you're amazed because in your in your content of your social media is where you live and and all these other bits and pieces and you manage to come back off on holiday and your house has been burgled right um uh, we, we still see people do absolutely crazy things like that all the time and people give too much information but they they it's just the phone and social media has become an extension of users and um, like I said, they post absolutely horrendous things. Um, I, another great personal example is my son passed his driving test. And, and for his, we passed his driving test and he had a car, which is great. And what he managed to do, he, he um, straight away took a photograph of his car, sent his mates, put it on Instagram. Well, so we just fished him, told him he's got a... Um, and did some really mean things to him and thought he had to pay money and thought he had lost his license and things like that. <laughs> Trying to teach him a lesson, right? But, but there is no connection um, to to the... So it is personal responsibility that we try to teach to those, those to the users that they are all an important part. And a, a fantastic example is one of the roles that I fulfill as a, a CISO is for a, a rather large law firm. They took the decision, which was... As we always say, it's the, the client's right to it, what risk they want to accept, and we'll never really disagree. We'll put up the arguments, but, you know, it's up, it's up to the client at the end of the day. But they, they came to the decision that no one was allowed to print at home, right? They're a legal firm. They've got some important documents. Completely get it. Completely understand that. Um, so if you want to print, you print from your, your, your work-provided laptop, um, and that is the only printers available to your local office. You can go into your local office and pick it up and you're done. Right, brilliant. Okay, that's what they wanted to do. Um, needless to say, they could just leave those papers anywhere. But anyway, that's what they wanted to do. <laughs> Fine. So some people got a little bit grumpy about this and thought, well, we're not going to do it that way. And they started forwarding all the sensitive documents to their personal laptop at home and their personal account to buy some that coming. Right, so just before Christmas lands on our lands on our doorstep, doesn't it? That basically 
the guy who was forwarding all the, the, the client data to his personal laptop. He was on a website that he shouldn't have been on, that his wife wouldn't approve of. Um, he managed to get some, some software onto his computer that then basically just got hacked, basically. Yeah. Right, uh, for <laughs> a better word, and um, he had to come clean about it. It's not very good. He's in a lot of trouble now, and um, but it was really stupid. That's why those rules are not in place. I and mean, he just chose to think that those rules that they'd set didn't apply to him. So it's all, if you think about it, really, the mistakes that we make as users and as employees uh, are all about choice and personal responsibility whether that through lack of education and awareness training from the senior management or just belligerence, right? Well, it's what they say, you know, the, the human element's the weakest part of security. And it's always it, it's always the most common, simple thing that really comes back to bite you all the time. Yes. It's never the big thing. That's what I know. It's never like, oh, it's that big thing. No, it's like that little out. And then it's like you get a almost like you get a huge infection and your arm drops off because you did you didn't you know wear a long sleeve shirt. Yeah, yeah, and th- it's it's that simple. I do I do think that to to almost almost be uh, the defender of of the the the, the employees I, I often in in previous roles when you're on the shop floor you know you're at the lowest rung these things come through and and the way that you look at them is just simply well you're now just putting barriers in the way of me being able to do my job effectively you don't see the bigger picture you don't and 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 i do often think that actually if you turned around and, and when it was rolled out these these measures if there was an actual um reason given because that's what i used to find i used to turn around and go well why it was just simply said this is what we're doing it wasn't this is what's happened or i mean it might not even be that something did happen but this is what we're going to do now because we want to prevent x from happening or with it was never told and i think sometimes that's part of the problem is that communication from top to bottom just gets lost by the time it reaches the people that it really affects um they're not hearing the whole story. They're not hearing what maybe you have said, Damon, to the C-suite, which is, look, put these in place so that this doesn't happen again or so that it doesn't happen to you. Mm. The users don't actually get to hear that. I I bet, I guarantee that that person that that was forwarding everything to his own private or personal emails just simply thought, well, you're just putting a barrier in the way of me being able to do my job, so how can I get around it? And he never once thought to himself... Um, of the con, maybe he thought of the consequences of if he gets caught. Yeah, but I doubt he ever thought of the consequences to the business. No, let alone cared. Yeah, and you're right, and and it it is you know the way that the users behave. This is like the culture within a company always comes from is is you know reflected from top management, right? And 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 I would think the the culture of awareness uh, and responsibility within a company also comes from them. So I, I completely agree, you know, how a message is told. And if you are in a totalitarian way told, you must not do this without the why. And as human beings, we like the why, you're right. Um, we, you, you do need to have that. And I think that is a key point. And I think it's a great point, Charles, actually. Yeah, it, it, it's so true. It's so true. And it's, like I said before, it's a lot of the basic stuff. But it's also, 
like telling them why and, and explaining things, but you can't go on. I've been into uh, presentations where, you know, the CISO says we have to have a security program. And so they task somebody to do it. And it's like this PowerPoint by, you know, death by PowerPoint thing. This is why you should do this and, and that. It should be focused. It should be nice and clean, cut, easy to understand language, get it out there. And people are oh, okay, I get it now versus I don't even know what he's talking about. Some of them, some of them are like geek heads. It's like, oh, and they get way too technical. Well, it's this, this, this. I'm like, mm, okay, well, is it really? You know, I, I don't know. Like as, as a user, I, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about TCP IP or, you know, IPsec and, and security and all this stuff. It'll just fly over their heads. And those guys, well, whatever, I'm just going to go do my job. <laughs> and, then, and then stuff happens. But a good yeah. program will explain, look, look, don't click on stuff. Look at it. put your mouse over the over the thing. See if the link actually is from our company or the client or whoever, versus some logo that you got to click on, and and do things like that. Some of the really basic stuff will, will, will alleviate a lot of the problems. Yeah, don't you think, Rich? That 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 is, um, you know, it's one of the curses of our industry at the moment. There are too many people, especially when, you know, when they're talking to the end user, um, they, they, it's just lost in techno babble, um, yeah. and it's just. We need to uh, cleanse the language out of, that we use when we're talking to end users and try to keep it as plain English as possible, you know. And, but we see so many companies that try to, and especially a lot of organizations selling tech um, solutions, you know, they, they try to, it is project fear, they, they try to sell it in that way. And it just doesn't work. People, if you scare someone, they tend to clam up and they don't know what to do. They just panic about it and, and don't make a decision because, you know, the approach we like to take is, um, is from a uh, Disney will probably sue us now, but we say we scare because we care right from monsters Inc. And that's the approach we try to take. They need to know the effects and the results of bad mistakes and, and the things that can go wrong, but they always need to know a solution that they can understand. And they understand why, these things are happening and what's going on. Yeah. And, and it's just key. Yeah. When, when I was teaching my pen test courses, I had, I had nothing to do with cybersecurity, but it was really about how easy it is to get free stuff. And one of the things was a pizza, right? So this one guy, he would, this was legitimate. They actually did this. So this one guy would hang around and like, he would see somebody go in. So I like say, uh, David, you would go in and I would stand beside you. And you would order your pizza. It's this, this, this. The guy goes out. He wrote everything down. He waited 15 minutes, called back. He said, the pizza I got, I just bought from your company was like, um, it was burnt. It was no good. It was like, whatever. And uh, they're like, okay, well, come on right in and, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll give you a new pizza. Guy goes, well, yeah. I can't because I'm working. I'll send my son. <laughs> so the guy, the, 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 another guy shows up and the guy walks in. He goes, got a free pizza. Yeah. See, I'm yeah, and it, but still, it it may not be cyber information, but it's information that's just it's just out there in the ether, just being able to collect. But from from a cybersecurity standpoint, it's kind of the same thing. I was in Atlanta once. I was I was teaching there, and uh, this is a little bit before everything kind of got locked down. And uh, one of the some of the people said, oh, "How bad is it?" I'm like, "How bad is it?" Let, let me. I'm going to go up to my hotel room at lunchtime, and I'll turn on uh, TCP dump. And it, for those who don't know, TCP dump is basically a network sniffing program that you can run. And so I turned this on my laptop. I was running Linux and I actually captured data and I showed yeah. them. I said, this is what it is. Like, look at this. 
look, it's all like this guy's doing a bank transaction. This guy's logging in. This guy's going to, you know, where and you can see all the traffic if you know what you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. And hackers that that's, you know, people who who live and thrive in this field, they're they're good. The, the good ones are good because they, for lack of a better word, really get into it, like kind of geek out onto it because that's their thing. And they want to, you know, share the stuff with their, it's, it's just like amateurs. And but the professional guys, those are the guys who do the sophisticated attacks that Damon was talking about. So yeah. it, it's all kind of there hanging, you know, like people don't use VPNs and, and things like that. And in cafes, I always use a VPN, even if I'm streaming stuff that's that's you know, I'm watching Netflix, I use VPN or whatever <laughs> because I, I don't, first of all, I don't even have, have my ISP know what I'm watching online, even though it's Netflix or Amazon or whatever. And I just value my privacy. You have to. These days, you have to have to have that. Okay. Well, let's move on a little bit. And I want you to both put your virtual CISO hats on here. Damon, that will probably be a little bit easier for you because that's what you do. Um, What are the things that that are keeping CISOs up at night, do you think, Damon? Is there a particular thing maybe either right now or just over the many years that you've been doing it that has always, when you go into a new company, has, has been the one thing that maybe goes, oh, I've got to deal with that. Yeah, it's not so much with us because we take a different approach, but I, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of CISOs, and I think um, there's two two things. Um, obviously, it's getting board buy-in, getting board support for for the role that they've got, right, And which translates normally to budget, right? So they, they get over that. They get over that stress, and then they get given this budget, and then they've got to decide what to spend it on. And... Most organizations, I would say most organizations do this completely the wrong way. Um, and I, I've got a great example of this in a moment, actually. Right? So they'll think, right, I've got this pot of money. I'm going to buy some firewalls because firewalls are great, right? I see information about firewalls all the time. I need a great firewall. Well, which firewall do I buy? Do I buy a 250-pound firewall or do I buy a 25,000-pound firewall? Which is the firewall I need? Do I need two? I don't know, right? And they make all these crazy decisions. And a great example of the, we, we were introduced to an organization um, and basically, first thing we do when we get introduced to a client is we'll say, okay, ideally then we need to do a maturity assessment. Let's look at where your important data is. Let's look at the controls you have in place at the moment. We'll do external pen tests, internal pen tests, vulnerability scans, governance reviews, and we'll understand and get a good picture of where you are. Then we can build a roadmap for you. And that'll be brilliant. And that's what we do. So we went into this client, just spent £100,000 on um, an external disaster recovery site. So another building, um, they put all the systems in there, got it all live. So as part of this governance review, I'm sorry, of, of, of the uh, maturity assessment, um, I say, right, okay, we need to test. We need to test if this disaster recovery site works. So we're sat in the room now with the board members and the head of IT. And he says, oh, I can't do that. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I can't do it. It never works. And again, right. <laughs> so the thing they've just spent £100,000 on, you can't do it because it never works. Brilliant. And then it transpires <laughs> as well that all of their data is in the cloud. So they basically spent £100,000 on creating a, an active directory um, 
backup, basically, so they could log on to their workstations. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, so it is that spending that money wisely is what keeps them up. And then if they do commit and spend money, they spend it in the right places because, you know, it's like the um, plugging the holes in a, in a dam, right? You plug one and then another one appears, right? So mm -hmm. where do they spend that budget? And who do they go to? Because you can't really go to vendors because a vendor is going to tell you to buy their product. So they're not going to give you an overview. So what we find and what helps all CISOs is doing that maturity assessment. Get an overview of where you are and what you have because you're not going to be doing everything wrong, but you're going to be doing some things really well and some things may be wrong, right? And you could be doing some things terribly wrong. Don't get me wrong, right? Um, but understanding that and then then you, you can make informed decisions, right? Well, we had our firewalls pen tested and they were pretty damn secure. It was okay. It was great. They worked fine. So do you need to change them at the moment? Maybe you can concentrate on educating your users and using that budget that way. So for me, that's what the main thing is for CISOs. And I don't think that's ever changed, really. Rich, is, is there anything that you've got an example of that maybe you've been told back in the past by, by a CISO that you've just been having a nice friendly chat with that you could maybe reveal to us about what they were having sleepless nights over? Um, a, a lot of the times it's um, the bang for the buck, right? So as Damon said, it's, like it's, it's not about the money. It's how you spend the money and it's how you spend the money wisely. And, and to do a good you know, security architecture review, do you have to have three access points into your network where two could do or even one? You know, it, it's it's not about that. Firewalls basically are good at keeping stuff that's supposed to be out out to a point, but then it's all the all the soft, creamy inside that you have to worry about. And uh, you know, and it's it's the the unauthorized um, uh, services and and things like that that people could download, like software that's not authorized and things like that. And uh, one inexperienced guy actually said well what can we do it like well like lock your lock everything down like why do you have open ports in the, under every desk for for your for your switches and things like that they, they should have to be turned on so nobody could come sit at a desk plug something in and then they're off going onto the network and stuff like that i i've seen that corporately um where people were coming in oh just go use that desk over there so the guy goes use that desk over there and he sits there and plugs in every day Normal stuff, yeah. right? But when when I was working with one company, they had had us come in and they, we 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 revamped everything and we put some very basic, again, basic stuff. Well, I went through and I did a survey. Well, what ports are all open on on, on the switches? Well, all of them. And I said, okay, well, fine. Well, which ports are actually being used on the switch? Well, it's these. I said, okay. Well, I told the guy, well, shut all the other ones off. We don't need them. If someone needs them, put a request in. Send even like a, a, a simple email to the to the VP or the, the manager of the, of the department. I need that port coming in because Damon's going to be working with us for today, and he needs to have that 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 uh, desktop turned on. Okay, good, done. So basic, and done. But also, like, what are, what are they downloading for for unauthorized software to, to get around things? You know, and and there's always the horror story of like the the guy who puts a Wi-Fi device into a, into a boardroom because they need to have Wi-Fi, and, and then they go, oh, it's lunchtime, we're going to go for lunch, and they leave it over, and you, you have a, you know, 
three, you know, three firewalls and you have intrusion detection and prevention systems and you have this rogue <laughs> Wi-Fi device hanging on your network and, and it's just people are just pouring in because it's, it's seeping outside the walls here, your thing. And the other thing was, um, how do we manage our external partners? You know, so like we're secure, us, the, the three of us are a company, we're secure. But um, we may have some of the, I think David mentioned it, some of the smaller guys out there. We may be, we may be a, like a localized ISP for whatever services that we're doing, but we're also providing them internet services and things like that to help them facilitate their jobs and stuff like that, right? So, you know, they're connecting up to our network now, right? So how secure are they and on their side? And sometimes you have to provide that leadership to them to make sure that, again, from the standpoint of a company, um, well, if you want to be our supply chain partner well then you have to be compliant to a certain level you have to do this this and this we have to have we have to see the actual documentation come in that you you're patched up or whatever and i, I think again it, it's going back to the basic stuff but um the the attack signet sorry the attack surfaces change constantly and uh yeah. it's it's just it's it's a minefield with no map and you're and you're, you're walking around in the dark with a with a flash with a flashlight that's not doing anything for you because all the mines are buried and you don't know about them you don't even know if you're in the minefield and but you're, you're walking around on this stuff and every once in a while something will blow up i i found that talking to the good ones the the good CISOs, they get it they they will say yeah that makes sense or they've educated themselves they'll go to conferences or or sit webinars to you know understand what's going on and they get it. The the not so good ones will not get it, and then you're going to have a lot of problems because they won't even know where to start. It's like everything's good. And I actually talked to one guy. He goes, "This is at a conference roundtable." I said, "Do you guys actually do like a disaster recovery plan on cyber?" He goes, "Well, yeah." I go, "Do you do a disaster recovery plan on cyber with that guy not there, like the the manager of whatever section?" is no longer in service. So how, how how would you do with he's if he's not there? Well, he's going to be there. I go, are you sure he's going to be there? You know, because lot, lots of times hackers will, or, or attackers and hackers will take advantage of a, uh, I don't know, could be a natural event. It could be, you know, something like an outage or something like that where your, your, your company may be up, but the peripheral organization may be down and causing a lot of confusion so meanwhile well you know like your main corporate center may be running but the it and the security guys are like running around with their heads cut off because the network's down we got to get the network up we got to get the network up and then the guard level goes down and then people can't react to things because rich is out of the office where damon's over at that that client site they have a they're one of our main clients that they need a hand getting back up and and getting everything set up they would go and then you go and then you know everything starts falling down in your own in your own company you start getting attacked so you have to re it's 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 a lot of that stuff really really does happen and, and it's it's shocking where it's it's never a problem until it's a problem and when it is a problem it's a big problem yeah yeah well we, look we've we've called this episode why it sucks to be a CISO. um so I'd love to get from you both just a couple of things that maybe makes being a CISO a not so nice 
job to have. Is there anything that comes to mind, Damon? I, I appreciate this is your vocation. This is what you love to do. But there must be something that sometimes you just think, oh, no, why didn't I become a well, astronaut? <laughs> I, 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 have, I have fully come to terms with the fact that we are the modern-day health and safety guys, right? We're the, we're the, I won't say what a colleague of mine said yesterday, we're the clipboard clipboard guys we're the ones who stand behind people tutting you know you're really gonna leave that post-it note there guys mm, really uh, and you know that's what we are so i appreciate that you know we are the one the awkward ones when you know when we're sitting on a meeting about developing a great new wonderful application that well we can't have passwords on it because you know that'll hinder people's usability you know, and crazy things like that. But yeah, it's got medical data on it there. Well, that doesn't matter. It'll be fine. No one knows we're there, right? I mean, you know, security by obscurity doesn't work anymore, I don't think. Um, but, you know, we see crazy things all the time. And and that is it, really. I mean, we're fun guys, right? We, we like to party. We're not that depressing and boring, really. We're just trying to be sensible. <laughs> no, but in all honesty, it doesn't suck. It's a great job. Right? <laughs> absolutely. I absolutely love arguing with board members about money and, and, and things like that. It's great. Uh, Rich, I'll come to you then and see whether we can get something maybe a little bit more controversial. Well, Damon took my thunder. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I really appreciate that. But it, you're always the guy who everybody comes running to. What are we going to do? We're at, we got we got hacked. Well, did you take my advice earlier? No, you know. And 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 you're always the guy at the end, and you're always the guy at the meeting who puts his hand up, like David said, and and says, "Well, uh, that's great. How are we going to secure that? Oh, well, you know, no, not oh well, you know." Because I'm the one who has to do it at the end, and and they all run to you at the end when the when the building's on fire, and then don't you have a fire hose? You cut the budget. Yeah, I don't have a hose. I have a bucket. <laughs> it's a, a bucket of sand that you gave me. Remember, you said go to the beach and get the sand. We, we don't have the but we don't have that. But here's here's a bucket in Spain. Go out there, you know. But the, but that's the thing. It's like you, you're you're the guy, right? And you're the you're the guy. Oh, you're the downer. Right, you're, you're the guy in the meeting who's like, "Well, no," and then it's like, "Okay, we're going to bring up this new subject," and they're probably whispering to each other, "David's going to say no," <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then he does, and it's like, "I told you, no, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that guy." But but that, but that's the way it is, right? And the, but there's so much. It's like, uh, where do you even start? It was like uh, attack services expanding, multi-cloud environments. Managing risk in the supply chain, which is just talked about, uh, digital transfer, transfer, uh, transformation, uh, security, talent shortfalls, right? So, like, there's there's always this uh, thing out there that you read, like, there's there's always a lack of security talent out, cybersecurity talent out there, and actually, one of one of the shows we did, we actually did on certifications, and one of the one of the examples I had uh, was basically. If we certified IT professionals as we, sorry, if we certified the medical profession as we certify IT professionals, people would be dying in hospitals because they would go, okay, what's, what chapter was that? You know, instead of just going, oh, the guy's in cardiac arrest. How do you use that? What's that? Def deflabulator? <laughs> <laughs> that, that sort of thing. You know, but there's like, and, and budget constraints always hinder security and compliance penalties and, and uh, to create new headaches and, and things like that. But there's also fatigue, right? Because you, you 
as a CISO, you're out there always like, you know, banging the cybersecurity drop. You will not do this. You will not do that. And uh, people just basically tear, uh, tune you out, especially with all the all the new uh, compliance things that you have to be aware of and all the stuff that comes up. That's your job, yeah. right? So new things come up and, you, and then you go to, you know, the board, oh, we have to do this. Do we really? Yeah, we do. We have to do it this way. And uh, it, it becomes an uphill battle with everybody. And then there's the insider threat, you know. So there, there's there's all sorts of stuff. And it's never ending. I found throughout my whole career that the stuff I was talking about 20 years ago, I'm still talking about today yep. at a different level. Yeah. You know. And it's it's sometimes it's like, you know, drinking from a fire hose. It's like <laughs> standing there. Okay, turn that on. And then it comes on and just get you just get killed. You just get killed. But, but, but. From a cybersecurity standpoint, the, the the good guys that 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 I know, from a pen test standpoint, they they love this stuff, mm. you know. And uh, one time, I actually had uh, a, a CISO who was fairly inexperienced. We were talking about pen testing, and they go, "Well, why would we need a pen test? We could just have our our security guys do their own research and stuff like that." I go, "Yeah, but your security guard isn't your security guy. He's also your Microsoft guy. He's your desktop." You know, he's running your desktop area. It's a server guy. It's a switch guy. It's the router guy who has security put on top of, you know, as, as another hat to, to put on his head. So he's constantly switching hats. Whereas, you know, guys like Damon, you know, and, and his company, they, they eat, live, breathe, sleep, and repeat as every day. So they, they are in tune with what's going on, what the trends are, who's doing what, who's doing what to whom, why. There's a big difference. There's a huge difference there. So for how much you're going to be paying to hire a guy internally, who's going to then be as a resource to the company, you may hire a security guy to be a security guy in your company, but then he's going to be going helping the switch guy or the router guy or whatever, and he's going to get diluted and he's going to get distracted. Whereas you hire a company like Damon's, like a professional security services company, who know what they're doing. Because they live this stuff every day. But it's not just they live this stuff every day. They see it. They, they're actually in the trenches battling with the hackers with their golden bracelets, you know, flinging off packets that's coming at their, at their networks, all the, all the bad stuff. Those are the guys, the, the security professionals who take it seriously and, and, and live and eat and breathe this stuff. Those are the guys you want on your, to, to conduct your security. It may, it may cost you a bit. And, Damon, I was really glad to hear, you know, you guys do offer that, that, that free service that, yeah, that that, that that lifeboat service to yeah. to some of these guys because not everybody can afford it. You know, like nope. I, I was actually when I was doing pen testing, one of my clients, I said, you know, security is it's it's not my concern about your company. Yes, I want to help you as my client. We want to do that, but you have to take ownership of your own stuff. And yeah. even if you do some basic things, and one of the basic things, why I said, are you guys mapping your networks with Nmap? And for those of us who don't know what MMAP is, it's a network mapper. You can download it freely from the internet, and it basically scans your IPs, and you'll get a you'll get a a, a pretty good snapshot of what your servers look like. You know, does your web server have to have twenty five services running on it? Well, no, it needs like three versus twenty five. <laughs> so turn all that other stuff off, and it's 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 that awareness of your staff also to know that you know something as simple as taking that server build that's supposed to be you know xyz server uh when you're done building it scan it take off all the rogue services 
have the manager, whoever the CISO is, or the, whoever his representative is, sign it off. Okay, then it can go on the network. Something as basic, basic as that, with a free tool that you can get off the internet, could could save you, you know, thousands yeah. of pounds or dollars or whatever. It's simple. Definitely. I do think, Charles, we should have um, a national hugger CISO day, um, or international <laughs> maybe, maybe like, you know, around the 12th of February, everybody turns around and gives their CISO a hug. And also, Rick, I'm really looking forward to teaching the medical, like like we teach the IT guys. So, you know, if you want to be a heart surgeon, you do four, four days um, intense training and then with an exam on the Friday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I'm actually going through that right now. <laughs> well, well look thanks very much to both of you it's been absolutely cracking thanks to damon and rich for joining me thank you make sure you hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and for more content and to find your tribe go to the cybertribe.com thanks for listening